Uh, welcome to Catalyst. My name is Dave. Uh, I, I, amazing the people here that have braved the, uh, the miserable day outside and, and here. Um, and uh, as John Kelly said in, uh, in, when he was in college several times, he, he visited Bedside Baptist and, uh, and, and Pillow Presbyterian and, uh, and everything. I, I wonder if there are people doing that. I was told in seminary that uh, at any time it rains, any time a leaf falls off a tree, a third of your people won't be there in church. And, uh, and so I, I've told this many times. I used to pray, Lord, oh, please, Lord, don't let it rain on Sunday morning because people need to be there. I'm, I'm thinking, Lord is up there thinking, you're praying for not rain. How about you pray for people that aren't afraid of rain? Why don't you pray for people whose faith is strong enough to get them out of bed when it is actually raining? Because if people can't get out of bed when, they, when it's raining, what makes you think you're going to be able to stand up under persecution or see through Satan's lies or anything like that? So I stopped praying for that rain wouldn't happen on Sunday morning. I started praying for faithfulness in our people, and, and you guys are just amazing. So anyway, so what we're talking about today is we're in a series called uh, The Four, uh, Four Tactics of, of Spiritual Warfare. Last week, we talked about discouragement, how Satan's first tactic is to just discourage you, to get you thinking that it's never going to change, that, they, that you don't have what it takes, that just the odds are against you and that there's no way out. That's the first uh, tactic of spiritual warfare. And when we see through that, like we talked about last week, he moves on to tactic number two, <clears throat> which is deception. All right? And so t- deception, it means what is true is false, <clears throat> and what is false is true. The main thing today, Satan's second, second tactic is to feed you false intel so that you make bad decisions based on lies. Uh, the very first sin in the Bible, all the way back in the garden, we see Satan doing this. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, if you notice, uh, the serpent, when he tempted Adam and Eve, he did not try to get them to rebel against God. He didn't get them to try to commit any type of sin. What he did, he tried to get Adam and Eve to doubt God's word. If you look here, Genesis 3, 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That is the first thing that we see Satan say, did God really say to get you to question the word of God? Hey, did God really say Jesus is the only way? Did God really say uh, you know, to, to love your enemies and forgive. Uh, did, did God really say that? Hey, did God really say that to get you to question the word of God? And when we get, when we, he gets us to question the word of God, then we're open to anything and everything that he has for us. He, we're, uh, we're warned in scripture that societies in the, on the verge of collapse, the last days of any society, say the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, the Roman Empire, the, the Greek Empire, uh, any of these societies that are in the, the dustbin of history, there is one thing they've got in common at the very end, and that is this. They believe what is true is false, and what is false is true, that right is wrong, wrong is right, that up is down and down is, and, and, and down is up. They are completely believing the wrong things. Right? They call what is right wrong and what is wrong right. And that has always marked the society right before it collapses in history. Go look it up. And Isaiah 5:20 says this: Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, this has been going on. If you look around in America right now, we are in the throes of this. We are literally calling what is good evil and what is evil good. And we think it's something new. The people that are pushing this stuff is, is oh, this is brand new. Uh, we're, we're launching something new. Uh, the, the, the ancients have gotten it wrong every single time. This is brand new. No, it's not. There's nothing New. Everything that's being thrown at American society right now has been tried, has been done a million times, and it's always resulted in the same thing. Scripture tells us, what are those who call evil good and good evil? And so there are five lies that Satan has lodges against us, lodges against our children, lodges against, has lodged against every society that's ever existed in the, in the history of the world. Five different lies, they're, they're five different deceptions. And we're going to talk about them. And the way that you deal with deception is not to try to counter the deception. You know the truth. You know the truth. And so the, the best thing to do against a lie is to know what is actually true. So deception number one, this is Satan's first lie to you, first lie to your children, first lie to your spouse, first lie to the society is this, number one, holiness is optional. You don't really have to follow God fully, okay? It, it, it's just optional. You know, holiness, the, the set apart, the doing things like God wants you to do, that, that's for the pastors. That's for the, the giants of the faith. That, that's not for you. You, uh, you, the average person, that's not for you. That's for like the Navy SEALs of the faith. That's for the, 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 the real, the missionaries. Those are for the, for the preachers and everything. You, uh-uh, you don't really have to do that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says this. This is the truth. You do not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, or the thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swimmers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, contrary to uh, the popular belief, I don't think Satan really wants atheism. Uh, I don't think he's really um, <clears throat> big on atheism. Um, yeah, I mean, he likes it when you don't believe in God. That, that, that's great. But he knows that that's a losing strategy, that he cannot make people, most people, into atheists. He, he just can't do it. We were made in the image of God, and the knowledge of God is so hardwired into our DNA that it's going to be extremely difficult, except for a few deluded people, to embrace atheism. Okay, That's not his strategy. I believe... Um, he, knows that, uh, he knows that so worldwide atheists only make about 5% of the population, and that percentage is going down. I don't even know if you know that. Atheism is on the decline. I'm not saying that Christianity is on the upswing. It is everywhere outside of America and Europe. But uh, faith uh, is exploding in the world right now. Atheism is on the down low. Don't, 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 uh, don't um, fall for that. And what Satan adopts far more effective strategy, you guys. Um, is for Christians, it's to lull Christians into the very state that the Bible warns us against, which is lukewarmness. Um, that is far, far more effective than trying to make us into atheists. It's very, very difficult to take a person who, who is just a normal person and say that there is no creator. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a losing strategy. What he wants us to do is to embrace lukewarmness. Um, a seminary professor of mine said it's Satan's priority to get us to be, have just enough faith to make ourselves miserable. Just enough faith to make ourselves miserable. That, that, that's what Satan's strategy is. And that is what I have found. Um, as a pastor and, and trying to disciple people and, and everything like that, um, I, I just get this uh, sense 
that uh, to, to challenge people to commit to biblical sexuality, which is uh, celibacy and singleness and fidelity in marriage, uh, it, it's, it's like, oh man, you're just asking too much. That's, yeah, that's kind of optional. That, that's like for, but you don't really have to do that, do you? Um, to get people to, uh, to forgive their enemies, to get people to value Christ above all. That's, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's just kind of for the special people. That, that's for the, the elites. That's not for me. Wrong. See, Satan has been lulling you to sleep by, uh, by, by saying that holiness is an option. No, no, no. No, no. We are called to live as Christ lives. You know, um, I, I was challenged one time. I was a, a youth minister. I, was, I took kids to, uh, to CIY, which our kids go to uh, now in this church. And, and uh, the, the preacher up there just, just threw this uh, challenge in our face. He said, uh, he, he, he said, if you don't want to go all the way to the cross with Jesus, if you are not willing to go all the way, he goes, then just please for, the, for, for your own sanity, for my sanity, for the, everything, just walk away from Christ. If you don't love Jesus more than everything and everything in your life, just deny him. Walk away, you know, whatever. Just don't say you're a follower of Christ when you're not. And that just hit me. Because the, the, there are three states of a person mentioned in the book of Revelation. Hot, cold, and lukewarm. And it's the ones in the middle, the lukewarm, they get the harshest treatment. And Pastor Francis Chan said this, he said, the problem isn't that we are lukewarm, that we don't embrace holiness. The pro- that's not the problem. The problem is that that's the goal, that lukewarmness is the goal of so many people that sit in churches today. I, 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 I have enough Jesus. I don't have enough car, I don't have enough house, I don't have enough popularity, I don't have enough uh, money or whatever, but, I, but I've got enough Jesus. He said, that's the problem. It's not the problem that everybody's lukewarm. The problem is that that's the goal. And we've bought Satan's lie that holiness is optional. You don't really have to follow Christ fully. Just go a little bit, not all the way. You don't have to really surrender all of your life to Jesus. There's, it's fine. Keep your sins. Keep your rebellion. Keep your lukewarmness. God will forgive all that. You don't have to follow Christ fully. And that is one of the most potent, potent lies that Satan has lodged into the church. And barring a major work of grace, a lot of you guys are believing that today. Remember, you live what you believe. Everything else is just talk. So if we were to look at your beliefs as you live, most of us have believed this lie, that we don't have to follow Christ fully. The second deception is this, that is being lodged against us today, is this, you can live as you please with no consequences. You can live as you please with no consequences. Uh, Galatians 6, 7 through 10 counters that by saying this, do not be deceived, 
God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And that this is one of the greatest exceptions, especially targeted at our young people. A lot of us older people in our, in our 40s, 50s, 60s, we know that we can't live like we want uh, with no consequences. Life has come back to bite us in the rear end a few times. Okay, we've tried that. But our young people today are being told that they can live as they want with no consequences. It's being shouted from every media outlet, it's being shouted from every Hollywood movie, every Madison Avenue ad. Um, it, Hollywood shows us the party. They show us the party. They don't show us the addict in rehab. Think about it. Hollywood shows us the sex scene, but not the devastation of a family torn apart by adultery or the string of broken hearts and bitter exes in the person's life. Madison Avenue shows us the luxury lifestyle, not the mountain of debt and the conflict in the home over finances. See, guys, Satan never shows us the destruction. He never does. He never shows us the consequences of how we live either in this world or the next. And the clearest demonstration of this is in the movie Pinocchio. I understand that, uh, that, that, that Disney, I, 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 don't, I don't like Disney, I don't like what they're, they're, they're doing now, but back in 1940, the Pino movie Pinocchio um, is, is, is phenomenal. If you can get a hold of this, it's got a tremendous message. Pinocchio is actually a very dark movie. If you've never seen it, you need to watch it. Because what happens, Pinocchio runs away, he turns into a boy, and he runs away because he didn't like his father's rules. He didn't like living like Geppetto wanted him to. It felt like Geppetto was holding him back, kind of like a prodigal son thing, okay? And he meets two conniving criminals that turned out in modern terms to be sex traffickers. And they promised to take him to Pleasure Island where you can do anything you want no consequences. You can destroy things. You can fight. You can smoke cigars. It shows them that you can, uh, you, you can uh, eat all you want. No consequences. And all these boys get on this ship and they're just throwing the party and the two criminals are just, you know, they're, they're just salivating. This is great. And they, 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 uh, they get to Pleasure Island and they run around. It's like a carnival. It's a huge carnival. And the, you know, the, the, uh, the Lampy, who is uh, Pinocchio's buddy, throws a rock through a stained glass window. And they're celebrating. Yeah, this is awesome. And all the time, the criminals are sitting there like this. Then the criminals lock the doors. And one by one, the boys begin turning into donkeys. And the scene shows them being put in crates, sent to the salt mines, sent to the zoo, sent to the circus, sent, and they, they, they had kidnapped them by the promise that you can live as you please with no consequences. And if you can watch this, watch this with your children, it is a very, very potent reminder of the siren call of living with no consequences. See, guys, the truth is that sin is the loss, loss of pleasure. It's not the choice of pleasure. Sin is the loss of pleasure. All right? See, I grew up with the unspoken rule that all the fun stuff was on Satan's side. And all the 
the, the boring stuff, all the, all the stuff that was boring and, and predictable is on God's side. Like, no, that, that is such a lie because God is the one that creates anything. Satan can't create anything. The only thing Satan can do is pervert and corrupt what God has created. Okay, That is the only thing. Sin is the loss of pleasure, not the choice of it. And we have to understand that, that the more that we sin, the more we are destroying ourselves. You may not see it early. But live a few years, young people. Believe me, there are consequences to everything. I would love to get the guys from my class on Monday morning at Revive Lifehouse who, are, who have destroyed their lives in addiction to get up here and tell young people, listen, man, we got taken in. We were the kids that went to Pleasure Island. We thought we could do all this and it wouldn't get us. Now we're 40, 50 years old. We've destroyed every person that, that's loved us. We've pushed them away. We have no money. We have no life. We look back at 50 years and we've produced nothing. We've got nothing to show for it. Don't be as stupid as us. That's what they would say right now. You can live as you want with no consequences. That is such a lie, you all. And if you all, especially young people, if you all are heading down that road where you think you can do what you want with no consequences. I beg you, I plead with you as your pastor, as your friend, I turn back because by the time Satan springs the trap, it's too late and you've destroyed yourself and the amount of energy, the amount of time that it takes to just get back where you were, the amount of people you have to apologize to, the, the, the relationships that you destroy that are never coming back it's not worth it. You cannot live as you please with no consequences. Embrace holiness. Embrace God's path for you. I'm begging you because it is amazing. Third deception is this, and this is hitting a lot of people in here today too. You're baptized. That's good enough. You're baptized. That's good enough. That's the end point it's not, uh, it's not a holy life. It's not a 50 years of faithfulness to Jesus. It's baptism. And once you're baptized, that's the end point. You've graduated. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to follow Jesus. You don't need to do anything. Baptism, you've graduated. You've, you've won the race. That's the finish line, not the starting line. And there's an entire group of people in the church today that believe that, that as long as we can get you dunked, that that's exactly, that's all you need and you're good. It's one of the most frustrating deceptions that Christians fall for. We have churches filled with people who want to be saved from hell, but they don't want to be saved from their sin. See, guys, that's the truth. A lot of us want to be saved from hell, but we don't want to be saved from our sin. See, what Jesus does when he went to the cross, when he forgives you, when he enters your life, he doesn't just save you from hell. He saves you from your sin, the things that, were, that would send you to hell. And that's not really the desire of a lot of people because they believe Satan's lies. We've been deceived with theology that says, accept Christ. Be saved from hell when you die. Well, most people accept Christ when they're young. We have a baptism class over uh, in the children's building that lots of kids are going to be getting baptized. It's awesome. I'm so proud of them. I love it. But most people get baptized when they're young, you know, 14 and under. They make the big decisions about that. Well, most people don't die until they're 78. That's life expectancy. So what are you supposed to do in between there? Just kind of hang out? Don't do anything too bad? You just kind of wait till you die? Is, is, that, is that what we, that, that's what the de facto theology of a lot of people is. No, when Jesus saves you, he saves you from your sin. 
from the lying, from the dishonesty, from the extramarital sex, from the porn, from all the things that we, that, that, that we need to be saved from. He saves you from that. But when Satan says, no, 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 you don't have to be saved from all that. Just be saved from hell. Live as you want. You're saved from hell. You're baptized. That's good enough. That's the deceiver. So we don't really want to be delivered from our sins, a lot of us. It's just the consequences of those sins. We don't truly want to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. We just want to commit our future eternity. We just want to go to heaven when we die. But we don't really want to live for him. See, the, the early church in Jerusalem had something. They knew this. This, this was going on even 2,000 years ago. Early church in Jerusalem had a thing to, to deal with that. They had this, uh, when, when you came forward, let's say that you were in church and you heard a message and you were convicted and you wanted to be a Christian and everything like that, the early church fathers in Jerusalem said, good, excellent. Uh, you will now enter a period of time called catechumen. Everybody say catechumen. It's not a sneeze. It's actually, you know, it's like catechumen, okay? Uh, it was a two-year period where you were to serve in the church where you were accountable to the elders, where your life was examined and scrutinized for faithfulness. Two years, you had to demonstrate repentance. You had to demonstrate a holy life before you were allowed to be baptized. Do you know why they did this? For two reasons. One, they wanted to see if you were worthy of baptism. They wanted to see if you were worthy if you would follow Jesus to the cross, they wanted to see. This was not something they were trying to get everybody. No, this was something that only a few people could do. The catechumen period. Second, usually there was a, a violent persecution or, a, or, or, or something against Christians every two years, and they wanted to see what you did. Did you tuck tail and run? Did you live in fear? Did you deny Christ when they, when they arrested you? Did, you? did you beg and plead and, and, and deny him, burn incense to the Roman gods? Did you do that during persecution? Because if you did, you were kicked out. You were not allowed to be baptized. I wonder what would happen if we did that here at Catalyst Christian Church. I, w- I wonder, a lot of us were ba- are baptized. I'm baptized. I've been baptized. So uh, Most of you have. I wonder if we had had a catechumen period Two years where we served in the church, where we demonstrated faithfulness, where we we stood up under persecution. I wonder how many of us would be here. Have we so cheapened baptism that we think it's good enough? The early church fathers took it very seriously because they did not want this lie invading their church. You're baptized, it's good enough. No. They wanted to see if you were truly committed to Jesus Christ as Lord. How many of us today truly want to be saved from our sins, not from hell? How many of us truly detest our sins? We want to be saved from them. That's the question. Deception number four is this. Jesus isn't necessary, just be a good person. This is, I hear this on social media, I hear this in the, in the media all the time. Jesus isn't necessary, just, just be a good person. I saw an advertisement, advertisement an atheist billboard on a, on a bus that said, uh, you don't need Christ uh, for, to have Christmas. Well, you do, actually. You just have mus. <laughs> you know, if, if you didn't have Christ, in, you know. But that, that's the whole thing. Hey, you can be a good person without Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says this, though. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. 
And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Isn't it interesting that that line of thinking takes place in a society that is established on Judeo-Christian right and wrong? See, our, even, the, even the most ardent atheist would tell you that good means, you know, being kind, being nice, forgiving, uh, helping the poor. That's good. Where does that concept of good come from if there is no God, if there is no Jesus? Because let me tell you, outside of Jesus, outside of uh, faith, let's go, let's go look at the animal kingdom. We're animals, right? We're part of the animal kingdom. That's, that's where we're classifying biology. We're part of the animal kingdom. You guys know what the greatest good in the animal kingdom is? If Barring a, a sense of right and wrong, you know what the greatest good is? is to eliminate your competitors and get your DNA out as much as possible. If you look at animal kingdom, you look at deer season, you look at uh, lion's pride, you look at gorillas, you look at, at they, the, the men, the males, fight. And they kill each other for breeding rights. So if there was no God, if there's no, no God telling us right and wrong, guess what we would be doing right now? We would be no different than deer, no different from lions. Our, the greatest good would be to slay your competition and pass your DNA on to the next generation as much as possible. So when, when atheists tell me, oh, you don't have to be Jesus, um, you, you just need to be a good person, I'll say, well, tell me what is good. And how do you know that's good? Why are you, we not just like deer? Why are we not just like animals? If there is no good defined by Jesus Christ. See, guys... Discernment isn't just knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's also knowing the difference between right and almost right. Okay? Let me say that again. Discernment is not just knowing the difference between right and wrong. A lot of us parents in here want to teach our kids right from wrong. That's great. We need to teach our kids right from wrong. But have you also taught your kids right from almost right? Do you know the difference between right and almost right parents, kids? I've seen so much abuse of grace. When I was in, uh, when I was in youth ministry, I followed a youth minister who had the name of his youth group was Extreme Grace. Grace, 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 grace. No shame, no shame, no shame. And what he, I, I guess he had some type of emotional need with himself, uh, whatever, but he said, kids, you can do anything and God will forgive. Grace, grace. We just don't want anyone to feel any shame. No shame, no shame, no shame. Just, just grace, 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 and more grace. And so you had kids running wild, living exactly like their non-Christian friends, and they could come to church and hear that, you know, grace. Do you know the difference between right and almost right? Because he's almost right. God will forgive anything. But to abuse that grace, it's not right. But it's almost right. You see the difference? Um, how about this? People are told, hey, just love everyone. Don't judge. Just, just love everyone. Well, that's right. But it's almost right. What does it mean to love people? Does it mean to love people and make them as comfortably, comfortable as possible on their way to hell? Is that, what, is that what it means? Is that what it means to love people? See, guys, we, we're believing these lies. We don't know the difference between right and almost right. And that is so very, very important. See, Jesus, it's be, the, the lie is Jesus isn't necessary. Just be a good person. 
Tomorrow morning, if, you're, if, your kids are, 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 if you have kids in school, your kids will hear that tomorrow. Maybe not in those words, but that's exactly what they'll hear tomorrow. So do they know the difference between right and almost right? And the fifth deception is this. This is the big one. Satan will tell you, I'm on the winning team. It's futile to serve God. Don't, don't go to church. Man, that is so 18th century. I'm the winning team. Don't you, don't you see that the church numbers are going down? Don't you see that Christians are hypocrites? Don't you see that all this stuff, I'm the winning team. It's futile to serve God. Well, here's the truth, Satan. Revelation 20, verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the truth. I don't care what happens out in the world. I know the future. And Satan's side is not the winning side. You say faithful to Jesus. You say faithful to, his, to him because Jesus wins. I don't care what the lie is. I don't care how the, the onslaught of, of, uh, of the deception that Satan's going to win, that the church is gone, that, that, uh, that faith is dying, uh, all that kind of stuff. That kind of, that's all a lie. One of my favorite statements is that Christianity is dying, the church will soon be dead, said every empire in the dustbin of history. They were saying that in the Roman Empire. They were saying that in the Soviet Union. They were saying that in the Ottoman Empire. They were saying that every empire in the dustbin of history has declared the church dead. And guess where they are and guess where we are. Okay? So stay faithful, people. Yeah, you you want to know why? Uh, Those are the five deceptions. Those are the five lies that Satan is lodging at you right now. Understand that, that if you have been believing these lies, it's time to stop. It's time to know the truth, okay? It's time to know the truth. It's time to embrace the truth of the Bible. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I have had to deal with as a pastor is uh, how, how much do you preach a message like this? Because a message like this is tough. It's tough to hear. It's, it's tough to preach, I would love to preach that God just loves everybody and everybody's fine and, and you all are the greatest and we're the greatest and sing kumbaya. I would love that. But guys, that's not the truth, okay? You know why it's difficult to preach a message like this? Because I don't want people getting upset. I don't want people to, to, to walk out of church feeling like, uh, you know, feeling beat up or, or uh, you know, I, I don't want that. But here's the thing. Do you know why people, so many people, will abandon Christ and abandon the church? Do you know why that is? It's not because we expect too much, but it's because we expect too little. You know where the, you know the fastest growing religion in Europe is right now? Islam. Think about it. Islam is making huge Strides because of two things. One, because they're having like three or four, as three, three or four uh, times the amount of children that Christians are in Europe, but also because they refuse to conform. They uh, have their own mode of dress, they have their own language, they have their own sense of right and wrong that they hold unswervingly to, and that is attractive to. Europeans, and Europeans are converting to Islam, not because Muslims expect so little of them, but because Islam demands that you completely change. 
and that you live according to a code of, of, of right and wrong. That is why it is growing so fast. And over here in the church, in America, we're like, oh, we can't tell young people not to have sex for marriage. There's no way we can do that. Let's just, let's, let's, let's just kind of tell them it's okay. We can't tell Christian uh, teenagers to, to, to come to church instead of playing sports on Sunday. What, what are you, crazy? We can't expect people to do that. That'll just turn them off. You can't expect uh, uh, Christian adults to, uh, to, to be uh, uh, in a small group and, and study the Bible. Are you crazy? That, they don't have time for that. They're not going to do that. So you can't tell them to do that. And so Christians come to church and no expectations are made of you. No expectation of change. No, no repentance. No, no change of lifestyle. And you're like, well, what the heck am I doing in church? All right, I, I, can, I can hear that I'm okay sitting at the house. See, guys, that is why the church is in the state it's in right now. Not because we call people to holiness and call people to surrender everything to follow Jesus. No, it's because we expect too little. We tell them you're baptized, it's fine. You don't really have to follow Jesus. Holiness is optional. See, what the church has been doing is repeating Satan's lies. And look what has gotten us. A compromised, lukewarm organization that does nice things every now and then, but makes no difference in the world and certainly doesn't reflect anything that the Bible says. I wonder if the Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, Luke, Matthew, you know, the, the people, the giants of the Bible, if they came to Catalyst, would they recognize us as a church? Would they look and say, yeah, this, this is, yeah, there, there's a church. That, that, that's very much the thing that we wrote about. Or they look at us and say, guys, I don't know where to begin. Um, there's so much sin in, in, in our lives that we're perfectly fine with. Are you guys even followers of Christ? See, we've bought Satan's lies, and we've lived according to them instead of embracing the Word of God. And so be encouraged, you all. Be encouraged because when you are challenged, when you are called to go all the way to the, cross, to the cross with Jesus Christ, to die to self, to surrender all of your life to Jesus Christ, when you're challenged to do that, that means Jesus loves you. That means he's telling you the truth. So be encouraged. Whatever it is, as you walk out of this building today, if you are living in this compromised lukewarm state where you have believed the lies of Satan. It, it, you're not the first person to fall for Satan's lies, okay? You're not. That's why they're, they're talked about in Scripture. Satan's been doing this for 6,000 years, okay? You're not the first one. But now it is time to repent. Now it is time to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Now it is time to see through the lies and go after Jesus as hard as you possibly can. Satan's second tactic is deception. That's why the scripture is always telling us, do not be deceived. Question everything. Question everything I say from this pulpit. Check it in the word of God to, to see if I'm actually preaching the word of God. When you see something online, check it with the word of God. Do not be deceived. We are not unaware of Satan's schemes. So walk out there with a new pair of eyes. Walk out there with a new Faith, a new energy, saying, I'm done believing Satan's lies. I'm done being deceived. I'm going to follow my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you, love you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.